Hello, and welcome to the Kiskea Chapel Sermon Podcast. Kiskea Chapel is an international church in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, where we equip English-speaking believers to expand God's kingdom in our community and beyond. For more information about Kiskea Chapel, you can visit us on our website at kiskeachapel.org. We hope you enjoy this message. This morning, to open the word of God with you, great to see you. This morning I am told to preach in uh, Exodus chapter 2 and chapter 3. So I wonder uh, how I'm going to get that done and finish before noon. I hope it's going to work. Uh, I'm going to start by reading with you a passage in Exodus chapter 3. We will read the first 15 verses in chapter 3 to begin. Exodus 3, verses 1 to 15. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was not on fire, was on fire, but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look and God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse 7, then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt and have heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their sufferings and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Havites, and Jebusites. So because the Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, Therefore, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He answered, I will certainly be with you, and this will be the sign to you that I am the one who sent you. 
When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. Then Moses asked God, If I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is, the, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity you've given us again to open your word this morning. We pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us, will help us to see clearly in your word and to learn what you want us to learn this morning about you, about ourselves, and that we will walk better with you, Father, in our journey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My sister and I, two years ago, had decided to take the motorcycle away from my dad. He had another accident that sent him to the hospital while he was quite unconscious. Clearly, my dad couldn't handle the motorcycle anymore. He was then 80 years old. So he could no longer do what he used to do before. Because my dad was a motorcycle rider who would go from a city to another. And now he got to a place where he could not do what he used to do anymore. Moses was in a similar situation when God showed up before him in the burning bush, in the desert, one day. Because Moses at the time was 80 years old also. And he was taking care of his father's, father-in-law's sheep in the desert. And that was happening for 80 years, for 40 years. 40 years in Egypt and 40 years in the desert taking care of sheep. So Moses thought, well, this is my life. This is what it was going to be for him until he died. That was his thought, maybe. He thought it's over, getting old, having no more muscles that he used to have before. So no way things were going to change. Moses thought the Israelites in Egypt were toast because somebody like him with all the assets he had at 40 years old could, couldn't do anything for them to help them. So nobody would be able to do something. So he thought they were toast. In order for you and I to understand, to grasp, what's happening with Moses and God in the desert showing up before him to call him to go on a journey with him 
we have to take a little walk back to chapter 2. Uh, actually, a little bit in chapter 1 and then chapter 2 before we get to the passage we read this morning so that you can understand what's going on. And I call the first point uh, from glory to shame. From glory to shame. If you look closely in the passage, I know Luke just mentioned that uh, we are going to go through uh, stories in the Old Testament during this period of time, and maybe you had not you had not read the passage uh, before for a period of time. I know you have read it, but maybe not lately. So when you go back to it, you read from chapter one, you will see that after. Uh, the death of Joseph, there was a pharaoh who didn't know Joseph. So that pharaoh enslaved the Israelites who were the people of Joseph, uh, descendants of Abraham. And then they were being oppressed in this uh, land where they were. And a pharaoh that came to power decided that he had to do something more. He had to prevent the boys being born among this group of people to live. So he made the decision. So somebody like Moses was not supposed to even live. The man was not supposed to live. He was born in slavery at a time when the Pharaoh had decided to not let the boys live, the Israelites' boys. But God used Egyptian midwives to save the lives of those boys. And Moses was born at that time. If you look in chapter 1, beginning with verse 17, you will see what the midwives, the Egyptians, Egyptian midwives did to save lives. And God, in the end, blessed them for their attitudes, for their actions in that process. And then God put it in the heart of Moses' mother, who was not called Moses yet. I don't know what their parents called him. But that boy that was in that, born in that family, God put it in the heart of his mom to hide him. And he was hidden for three months. This is in verse 2, in chapter 2. You can see that she hid uh, the boy there. After three months... Maybe that boy was uh, crying so loud, uh, she couldn't uh, keep him in there anymore, so she decided to somehow abandon him. She put him in a basket and put that basket among the weeds, the reeds, on the Nile River, and then just wait to see what God was going to do. You know what? Because she decided to just let it happen and trusted God for something, God showed up. God took it upon himself and was going to surprise uh, Moses' mother, was going to surprise his sister and his father and everybody because God was going to do something amazing. When you look at the passage, you see in verse 5 that God drew somebody who was not anybody in the in the country but it was Pharaoh's daughter 
Pharaoh's daughter came along with her servants, and they were coming to bathe. And walking uh, by the river, they discovered that she discovered, actually, that there was a basket. And she was curious to see what was in that basket. Because Pharaoh's daughter, uh, somebody who would just, yeah, come to the water and, and bathe, and then just go, because she, she would not be interested in some detail like that. And there she was, drawing near, and then decided to look into that basket and see what was in there. When she discovered that it was a boy, suddenly Moses' sister showed up and said, if you want, I can come and get somebody for you to nurse him for you. And she said, yes. And guess who? God brought. It was the actual mother of the boy that was brought to Pharaoh's daughter. And that woman was paid to nurse her own son. She was paid. She didn't ask to be paid. But Pharaoh's daughter said, I will pay you to nurse him for me. Isn't that amazing? When God is at work, when you give it to him, God can do amazing things. He can surprise you with his approach when he is himself uh, 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 working in your favor. She agreed to pay, in verse 9, for Moses to be nursed. In verse 10, I don't know how much time passed, but in verse 10, Moses was weaned. And when she was weaned, and when he was weaned, he was brought back to Pharaoh's daughter, who took him and gave him a name. And his name was Moses. Because she said, I found him in the water. So he was called Moses, and he grew up there because she became Moses' mother. He was adopted. God was not like not seeing what was happening. God was not not planning for what he had to do in times later for the Israelites. He was actually grooming that child, Moses, to come and deliver the Israelites from slavery. Moses did not know that. His mother did not know that, but God was working things slowly, orchestrating something that was going to happen, and it was going to be amazing later on. Moses ended up being raised in the home of his worst enemy. In the home of his worst enemy. And all the resources that Pharaoh had were at the disposal of Moses so that he could go to school and get the highest education that he, he could get. Anything he desired to study, he could because there were resources available for Moses because he was being raised in the home of the Pharaoh of the time. Only God could do something like that because Moses was the son of a slave woman and a slave man. 
and there was no school for them because they were just taking care of business for the Egyptians. Moses became somebody because in the book of Acts, we read that Moses was a very learned, a very learned person. He went to school. He became a general in the army of the Egyptians. So he was even set to become the next pharaoh at some point. The son of a slave. He could become the next pharaoh. However, when you get to verse 11 in the chapter, we see Moses doing something. It is, it is on the basis of a good work that his mother did. I don't know how much his father contributed to that, but his mother, who actually was nursing him, did an amazing work in getting him to know who he was, getting him to know God. When you read verse 11 in chapter 2, go to that if you will. It says, years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people. This verse is not in the Bible just by chance. God puts it there so that you and I can learn something. You can guess how much time has passed between verse 10 and verse 11. Because in verse 10, Moses was weaned and was brought back to Pharaoh's daughter. And then in verse 11, he is now 40. At 40 years old, that's many years that had already passed. And during those years, he, had, he was being prepared to become what he became at the time. And then he came on a mission. I say that he came on a mission because in verse 11, it says that he came down to visit his people. And later on, you see that he came back again the next day. And because he came twice on a day and on the next day, he was down there again. He wanted to do something. Actually, he was going too fast and faster than God. But notice what happened. He grew to become a fine man, but he came down to visit his own people. Even when Moses was in the middle of the Egyptians, he looked Egyptian. If you look at verse 19 in chapter 2, you will see that when he fled and went to the desert of, of Midian and met the daughters of the priest of Midian and helped them, when they went home uh, faster than when, how they used to, and the father asked them, how come that you come home early today? They said, an Egyptian helped us. Because Moses looked Egyptian. He grew up in the house of Pharaoh, in the palace of Pharaoh. He was dressed like Egyptians. He was, his beard probably was like those of the Egyptians. Because he looked Egyptian. Because he was not in slavery like the rest of, of his people. He was in high ground 
himself where he was being developed. So everybody who looked at Moses would see an Egyptian at the time. And the, same, the same way uh, Joseph's brothers, when they went down to Egypt to buy uh, food for the family, they met Joseph and didn't know that he was an Israelite and even their own brother. They did not know that because he was just like Egyptians, the way he became and how he was dressed. So Moses was just like that. But in his heart, there was something else that was going on. On the outside, he was Egyptian. On the inside, there was something that her mother planted during the time he was with her. There was something that his, I mean, his mother and his father planted probably when he was with them. That was still there. So my word for you this morning is that don't wait too long to start teaching your child the word of God. Never underestimate what a child can learn and what God can do with whatever you teach your child very early in life, what you plant in that child. In fact, some people are saying that you need to start even while they are in the womb because they can hear, they can listen while in there, and they can learn. And so start early with them because you never know. Anyway, whatever was planted in Moses was there even after 40 years. He remembers that the Egyptians, they were not his people. The Israelites were his people. And the word says he went down to visit his own people. Twice in the verse, it says that the Israelites were his people. Second half of verse 11, he saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people. He knew that, and he wanted to do something. Unfortunately, Moses, while he was on fire for the Lord, he ended up going too fast. And you know that happens to you and I also. Sometimes we are on fire for the Lord, and we don't take time to listen to him. The time had not come yet for God to deliver Israel. Because God had told Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13, that his descendants were going to be slaves in a foreign land for 400 years. So when Moses went down and tried to deliver Israel from slavery, they were at year 360. The timing was not right. So Moses was unsuccessful. When you read the next verses in chapter 2 after 11, you see that Moses killed the Egyptian that was striking the Hebrew on the first day. And then the next day he came back because he was on a mission to try to rescue these people. When he came back, this time it was not an Egyptian and a Hebrew, but it was two Hebrews that were in a fight. And Moses talked to them to try to prevent them from going too far. And one of them said, you think you can do the same thing to me that you did yesterday? 
Well, I think that happened just because God was not ready yet. Because Moses only killed one person. And the next day, he was not about killing. He was just trying to prevent a fight. And there he was, in trouble. The word went all the way to Pharaoh, and Moses had to flee. Ended up in the desert of Midian. Now, from Pharaoh's house to the desert, where Moses ended up taking care of sheep, that were not his own sheep, but sheep of his father-in-law. And he did that while in the desert for 40 years. Think about that. Somebody who was a prince. Moses was a prince because he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He was in line to become the next Pharaoh. And now there he was, a shepherd who couldn't even own sheep to take care of. And even after 40 years, he was taking care of the same sheep of his father-in-law. This is amazing. That's why I call it from glory to shame. It's weird. But you know what? God used it. God used that to humble Moses because he needed to groom him more for the work God had for him to do. You know, the will of God was for the Israelites to be freed. The will of God was for Moses to be the tool God was going to use to free them. But Moses tried it too early. You know, in ministry, we tend to do that too. We tend to go very fast and faster than God in some things. You remember when David wanted to build the temple for God? God said, I really do want a temple, but it's not your work. Now, what if David was not listening? Good thing he was listening. Moses was not really paying attention to God to see to work on the timing with God, to pray about it because he was counting on, on his own muscles that he had at the time, on his position that he had at the time, his, his knowledge that he had, and all the assets that he had at his disposal. He thought that he could do it. You know, when you go alone, it doesn't work. Unfortunately, he went alone. It didn't work. It never said that when Moses went down in verse 11, that he went with God. It said that Moses went down on the first day, and then later he went down again. It was not something that God said to him, let's go. Now, we come to our passage in chapter 3. And this is where we see that things are going to, to be turned around. And it's God this time, who is going to turn it around. And he's going to present himself to Moses as somebody who was always watching. He saw it all over, but he knew that it was going to last 400 years before he, he would need to do anything. 
He was watching. He heard. He saw. He was concerned about it. But the timing was not right yet. So we read in chapter 3. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. The same thing he began to do on the first year, he was doing it on the 40th year. The same thing. So definitely Moses was, that, was thinking that that day was going to be a day like every other day. Ordinary, like yesterday was, like the day before yesterday was, getting up early, going to the desert with the, with the sheep, get them to eat, get them to drink, get them to rest, and then bring, back, bring them back home to the fold, and to just get them to rest through the night, the next morning, get up and go again. He thought that was going to be it. Sometimes we think like that also regarding our lives. We think that tomorrow is going to be just the same as today. It doesn't have to be because we have a God who is on his throne, who has plans and who will never forget what he promises. Because we have that God on his throne who has the power to change the reality for us, we only need one good encounter with this God. For Moses, it's going to be from shame back to glory. And for us, that's the same thing that happens when we have a good encounter with God and we trust him to put our hands in his and to let him walk with us on his own path. He takes us to places we never imagined before. Moses never thought that he was going to see Egypt again. He never thought that he was going to uh, see the Israelites walking out of slavery before he died. He never thought that something good could never happen with these people because he, he did not succeed himself in trying to do that. So he was just doing his thing and thought, it, that's over. That's it. Anyway, he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. The angel of the Lord, this is an expression that is used in the Old Testament to refer to God himself. God appearing to somebody. The angel of the Lord, in many cases in the Old Testament, refers to God the Father. Sometimes it refers to God the Son coming, appearing to people. And when you read the Old Testament, if you read it through, I heard Luke the other day saying that he finished the, the whole Bible, uh, but didn't want to say when he started. But anyway, he talked about when he finished it. But if he finished it, he actually went through passages like that where the angel of the Lord appears to somebody. And when you look closely in the passage, you see 
what, what the angel of the Lord is doing or is saying is definitely not just an angel. Not an, an ordinary angel. This is God himself. In Genesis chapter 18, the angel of the Lord visited Abraham on his way to, to Sodom and Gomorrah. And it was God showing up to Abraham and had a conversation with him. God, because he is alive, God is not imaginary, but God is alive. God can have conversation with people. And God can have a conversation with you and I. When we pray, that's conversation with God that we're having. And Moses suddenly had an encounter with God on the Mount of Horeb there. He saw a burning bush. That was not just uh, a bush caught on fire. It was because God was present in it. He saw that the fire was burning, but the bush was not being burnt up. So he said, I should go to look at this remarkable thing. It was a miracle because it was God there. So Moses was approaching when God said to him, Moses, Moses, and he answered, here I am. God said, do not come closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Suddenly, a place where Moses had gone through for many times before, because that was the area where he was every day to take care of the, of the sheep. He was used to this place. He went through it. He walked by them, those bushes. He was always there. And suddenly, it became holy ground. This is amazing. Holy ground. Don't come close. It's dangerous. Because God is here. Brothers and sisters, this God who appealed to Moses lives now in the heart of you and I who are saved in the person of the Holy Spirit. When we trust God as Savior, we trust, we trust Christ as Savior, we believe in what God says about salvation and we receive Christ in our lives, God lives in us. So suddenly we become something else too. This is when we have the first encounter with God, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. And definitely there is something that is set to turn our lives around. This is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that those who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, they become new creation. Something new happens because that's God at work. So Moses listened to what God said. He didn't come closer. And God said to him, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham. Because Moses was from Egypt, from the house of Pharaoh, where people worshipped a lot of idols, God had to identify himself very well for Moses to not be confused. 
for him to know exactly. It's not one of the gods that the priest of Midian served. It's not one of the gods that the Egyptians served. It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the creator of the universe. So God identified himself to Moses. Then Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. It was a learning experience also for Moses as he had that encounter. God told him in verse 7, and I love verse, verse 7 here. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt. I love that. Don't you think that Moses thought that God didn't even see? When he tried 40 years ago and it didn't work, he thought that God didn't even care. If Moses didn't care for those people, nobody was going to care for them. Because they were there for so long, 360 years already when he tried. And he thought nobody cared. And God said, I observed. And he uses the word misery. God knew what it was. He knew what it looked like. He says, I observed the misery of my people in Egypt. God never forget that the Israelites were his people. He knew that. But again, I say that God has his timing. Sometimes you doubt. You doubt thinking that God may not even see me. God forgets about me. God has given up on me. When you see things just going south, way down south in your life, you see your marriage falling apart, you pray, you try, it doesn't work. You see your child going wild, you try hard and it doesn't work. You see the world around you falling apart and you pray about it, you do what you can and it's just going worse and worse and you think well God has given up and some of us Haitians at times we tend to think like this about Haiti Think, how come that is like this is there any hope sometimes we ask ourselves we wonder is there any hope for Haiti is there any because it's like the, this, this generation growing up in Haiti, many of them are just flee. They go to Chile, they go to Brazil, they go to the United States, to Canada, because they don't think there is any hope here. But God is on his throne. And this is one of the passages that should help us this morning to remember that God has not given up. He still has a plan, and we need to learn to be patient and continue to trust him, persevere in trusting him, because the time will come. Now, he says to Moses, and I have heard their, them crying out because of their oppressors. I have observed, so I see with my eyes what's going on. I have heard, I hear God has ears to hear. He has eyes to see and he saw and he heard. I know about their sufferings. 
He knows what's going on. You know, at times somebody can see something and you have no clue what it is. Sometimes you hear a cry or a sound and you have no clue what the sound is. Where it comes from, what it means, you have no idea. That happens for us people. But for God, he said that I see, I observe, I hear the cry, and I know what they are going through. He understands. He gets it. And the most amazing thing appears in verse 7, and unfortunately Moses did not hear. God said it as clearly as that, and Moses unfortunately did not hear. God said, and I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The territory of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Havites, and Jebusites. So because of the Israelites' cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh. You see what God does? He said to Moses, I have come down to rescue them. And then he says, because that happens and I have seen that, therefore, go to Pharaoh. Moses should have heard that God is the one who is inviting him to go down with him right this time. God says, I have come down to rescue them, to deliver them. So the job is not Moses' job. The job is God's job to deliver Israel and to bring them out to a land where milk and honey are flowing. This is, a, this is an expression to say that blessings flow in that area, that God is going to make things work for his people in that area where he's going to bring them. God already said to Moses that he is the one who come down, who's come down to do it. But Moses did not get that, unfortunately. I don't know how he was like that. He's like, like, like you and I. I think he was a, a mere human being like us. Because at times we tend to not listen closely to what God says. And then in ministry, we, 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 we think that we are the ones doing business for God. We are the ones making things happen for God. While in ministry, we are just servants of the master who is doing his ministry through us. We are just vessels. And that's what God was looking at Moses as, as a vessel to use to do the work. But Moses thought that he was going to do the work himself. So he said to God in verse 11, but Moses asked God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Good question. He is nobody. He used to be a prince, but now he is a shepherd, but he is a rusted shepherd. Eighty years. Can't do what he used to do before. He doesn't have strength. He doesn't have power in his, in his arms anymore. 
he is he had fled from from Egypt before, and people would still remember because they have annals to to keep what happened in the in the uh, land. And so Moses knew that going back to Egypt was put himself, putting himself in danger. So he said, who am I? And to go back and to ask Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. So God answered to him. And this is something that I want to hear God saying to me all the time. God is so patient. He's so good. So understanding, God says to Moses in verse 12, I will certainly be with you. That's what we want. That's what you need. That's what we, we should desire all the time. And the question Moses had to ask was, are you going to go with me? This is what he was supposed to be asking God. Are you going to go with me? If you're not going to go with me, I'm not going to go. But if you are going with me, let's go. Well, God said to Moses, I will certainly be with you. And notice the adverb in the answer God gives. Certainly. It is not something that's nonchalant that God is saying, I will be with you, no problem, just go. No. God says, I will certainly be with you. The same way God said to Adam in, in Genesis chapter 2, if you eat from that tree, you will certainly die. This is something that no question. It will happen. If you eat it, you're going to die. That's it. Now God is saying, I will certainly be with you. There is no question. God is going to go down to Egypt. He actually said in verse 7, that he came down to do just that. And God doesn't speak lightly. If God says something with his mouth, he's going to make it happen. He doesn't speak lightly. So God says, I will certainly be with you. And Moses had, had this at least to hold on to. And this will be the sign to you that I am one, the one who sent you. When you bring the people out of Egypt, you will all worship God at this mountain. That's the Mount of Horeb, where Moses was, where, where he had that encounter. This will be a sign that I am the one who sent you. What do you need from God to understand that this is an encounter? When you read the word of God, you can have an encounter with him while reading the word. And I feel like I am having an encounter with God. When I am seeing him talking to Moses saying, I will certainly be with you to use you for this great ministry of delivering the people of Israel from Egypt. That was an amazing work to do. A whole people to get them out of slavery against the will of those in power in the land where they are using those people. It's like snatching them from the Egyptians to, to get them out. This is not going to be an easy business. You and I know, if you read the story before, uh, Luke cut me short because he gave me chapter 3. 
But you know, there is a lot more that happened in the rest of the book because God actually went down. He, when Moses asked him, when I go down, because Moses kind of agree now to go down to Egypt. And he says, when they ask me who is the one who sent me, what should I say? That's when God gives him something that's going to help him. And that will help the people also over there to know that the God Moses is talking about, the God who has come down to deliver them from slavery, is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who, who is ever present. He says, I am has sent you. Just tell them that I am has sent you. Yahweh has sent you to them. I am. I am is the one who always is. God was, he is, and he, he will always be. So this God, who was there hundreds of years ago with Abraham, the father of that people, he was with Isaac also, the son of Abraham. He was with Jacob, the son of Isaac. And he is still alive. After 400 years in slavery for themselves alone, this God is still alive? This is amazing. And you know what? The same God is still alive today. This is thousands of years since he said that to Moses. He's still alive. He's the same God who doesn't change. That's the one you and I serve. That's the one you and I walk with when you come to Jesus Christ as Savior. That's the one who is our father. That's the one who is our comforter through his Holy Spirit. That's the one who cares for us. He doesn't give up on us. He doesn't forget what he promised. He is strong enough to do it. In the same way he had enough power to deliver Israel, and he did. Amazing. He used a bunch of plagues to get Pharaoh to kneel. And after that, he get, get, his, get his people out and brought them uh, to the Red Sea. And you know what happened. God is amazing. And that's the God you and I serve. I don't know what miracle you need from God right now. I don't know what it is you are going through that you want God to address for you. The good news is that he can. He can. I don't know when, but he can. Now you need to work with him patiently on when he's going to do it and work on yourself so that you can be patient enough to wait in order not to spoil what God has planned to do for you. Because some people spoil God's plan for them. They go too fast. So the lessons for us today, I have just three, three lessons that I will just mention. We don't have time to look at them in detail. One is that you need to pay attention to God's pace. You need to pay attention to God's pace. With your life personally, with things going on in your family, your work, 
you need, you need a, a promotion at your job, just wait. Because God may have that plan for you, but if you go too fast, you may end up spoiling it. Watch for God's pace and go at God's pace slowly. Some things would not even happen if we wait on God patiently. Number two, God is never late. That goes along with the first one. God is never late. If we remember that, that will help us. If God has not done something yet, it's just because the time has not come yet. Whatever I do, whatever door that I want to be opened in front of me, if the time has not come yet for God to open it, it's not going to be open. And if, if it is a door that I want to be closed, if God, the time has not come yet for God to close it, same thing. So we need to just remember that God is never late. Third, make sure to have God on your side. In verse 11, in chapter 2, Moses went down pretty much by himself. And you, you, you saw what happened. But now, in chapter 3, God says to Moses, let's go. And you know what happened when Moses go with God this time. Amazing. So make sure that God, God is on your side. Make sure that you are together in what you are addressing, in what you are involving in, in what you are doing, in what you are responsible uh, of, that you are together with God. So maybe a word for you, Luke, as the leader here of this church. You just make sure that God is with you and you will see what God can use you to do with this church. I don't know how it will just come out, but God can. Father, thank you for this reminder this morning. Thank you, Father, for helping us to understand that we need to pay attention to your pace. Help us to do just that. Help us, Father, to remember that you are never late. You always own time. And for us to continue to trust you for change that we desire to see whether it's with our lives, in our lives, or in anything around us, in the world, in our own country, Haiti, that we need to know you are never late. Help us, Father, to always make sure that you are on our side, to stay in your will and to watch the time so we can be together in what you're doing. Thank you, Father, for your promise. Thank you, Jesus. You promised in Matthew 28, 20 that you will always be with us. So we pray that we will always remember and to trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message was helpful for you. If you're in Haiti, join us on Sunday mornings where English speakers from all backgrounds, missionaries, diplomats, Haitians, expats, come together to worship, to connect, and to have fellowship with one another. 
You can find more information about our location, our service times, and our Sunday School program for all ages at our website at kiskeachapel.org. Or shoot us an email at chapelq at gmail.com. That's chapelq at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.